Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. biggest thing that could throw us off as I was looking at the futures, like I told you, and not on this meeting, but on the next meeting, there's like a 22% chance of a hike sitting there right now. So is that, remember you just talked about a, a potential pop-up in inflation? Mm-hmm. I think that there's people putting some money towards that, literal money, because when you buy futures on that, it's actual money going there. So that's why I actually look at the futures rates, because it's actual money, not just, hey, I think this is people putting their money where their mouth is. Yep. That's something to keep an eye out for. That could mean that this Thursday and Friday, somebody knows that there's hotter data than we're expecting. We're just going to know a lot more once we can get a solid, we're not raising anymore for the rest of the year. We're going to hold here until this metric is hit. And then people can kind of start making bets and pushing forward from there. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Matty A, my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breed. Howdy, y'all. We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey. If you are new here, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And of course, you know the drill. If you enjoy anything that we talk about, all we ask, take 60 seconds, leave a review on iTunes. And of course, two amazing freebies and ways you can get connected with Ryan and myself. The free financial portfolio review that Ryan and his amazing team will do. You can connect with them to take advantage of that by texting the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. They will go through your entire financial portfolio as well as build you out another one based on where they think you can improve or they'll validate the path that you're on. No harm, no foul, and it is completely free. So X-ray to 844-447-1555. And for my credit investors... Many of you received the new hotel deal and deck that I just put out this last week. Loved all the amazing feedback and responses and people that are taking action. Uh, If you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list to see what deals I am putting out to my list exclusively. You can text the word deals to 844-447-1555. All of the resources, links, products, everything available for our Millionaire Mindcast fam is at MillionaireMindcast.com. Be sure to check that out as well. All right, Mr. Breedwell, 
First and foremost, before we dive in, we got a great show for all of the listeners today. Lots going on, mm -hmm. politics and the stock market, rates, oh, yeah. real estate, kinds all kinds of great things. Let's okay. just get the most important things out of the way first. Let's do it. Are you okay? How is your foot? And we might need to tell the listeners what happened. So this week, why you're in a walking boot? This weekend, Matt and I got really inspired by the new Sound of Freedom movie, and so we strapped up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I went to Matt's daughter's birthday, and I'm going to say five minutes upon arrival, while getting into the bounce house, I went up the little. I was just trying to see how high it was. Yeah, it was like the... I wanted uh, to see the high side run up. So I like, just went up there and I like jumped up to see how high it was. So I wanted to see if it was like sturdy. And the edge of it was slippery. And I grabbed it and slipped off. And right when I slipped off, I landed on my ankle, dislocated my ankle, didn't break it, went back into the socket. And they said I had a pretty severe high ankle sprain. My ankle is all bruised all the way around. I'm in a boot for the next nine days. It hurt really bad. I can tell you it was quite painful. I could barely talk and think, which is the thinking part's normal, the talking part's not. So <laughs> I, was in a, I was in a world of pain. But yeah. oh, shout out to Mama, Mama Sonia. She saved me. She gave me a ride home and we were Subaru cruising. She got me inside, so... Shout out, mom. Thank you. So to paint a little bit better of a picture there, we walk in and these new bounce houses are like, they've got like mansion bounce houses. Like, They're insane. This, this thing was like a full-on city. And one section of the bounce house had, if you've ever watched American Ninja Warrior, right? It's that wall that you see people get their running head start uh, to climb up the wall and grab the ledge and pull themselves oh, up to smash on the button. Yeah, this yeah. was like a blow-up version of that. So I... It was half feet tall, right? Yeah, it wasn't... The tall it, was, side? It, it, it was tall, but it wasn't like you, you mobbed up the short side. I saw that. I was like, I wonder how tall the salt... I should have followed you. So Ryan and I my own trail and fuck get out there. Fuck. We're the only two adults with 100 kids running around. I smash up this wall, pull myself up. Ryan's like, all right, I got this. <laughs> Runs up the wall, grabs onto it. But then you stopped, and I was like, "Why isn't he pulling?" Himself I just back? wanted to see how high it was. And then you, so you didn't pull yourself up, but then you dropped no. back down, hit and twisted yeah. the ankle. It was all kinds of no good. And oh. when you look up and look around, and then put your head back down on the mat because you're in so much pain, I was like, "Shit!" And it was like literally the first three minutes we were inside that thing. So not I a good way to start. The Sunday, but the girls were grateful that you showed up and that you got out there with them. But I'm glad that you are on the mend. And we've got a great show for you guys today. So we are doing this remote. And Mr. Breedwell's got his boot on. And mm -hmm. I have a feeling that it's going to bring all kinds of magic for you guys. All sorts of good magic. Some great highlights and updates of this week that we want to get into on the data side. We'll dig into here in just a quick second. Breaking news this week, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has called on President Biden to give us his bank statements to prove he didn't benefit from his family's foreign business dealings as Republicans prepare to launch an impeachment inquiry as early as next month. Are they going to do it? What are your thoughts? 
oh, I think they're going to do it. He's already said it publicly that he's going to do it. And he's, I'm not doing what the Democrats did. And I'm not going in hardcore saying we're going to impeach him. But the only way that we can get the information that they will not give us is through the impeachment process. So unfortunately, they're forcing us to do an impeachment process because they will not give us the information we're requesting. But this is the only way we can get that said information. And if we do find the information that we are looking for, we do plan to move forward with an impeachment proceeding. Pretty wild. Mm-hmm. No, I, I find it very interesting. This has been the Biden administration's playbook. I saw a pretty interesting kind of breakdown of how it's pretty unheard of to hear of political opposition being arrested and indicted over and over again. And it was really interesting to see how there was a report released of basically all of the Biden administration findings on him and his family. And then almost strategically the exact same day or following day, Trump getting some level, big statement getting announced about him getting indicted and something new. April 2023, the House hears testimony on Joe Biden's mishandling of classified documents, which was a big deal. They indicted Trump for it, right? And then it, Activist prosecutor Alvin Bragg indicts Donald Trump in New York that exact within 24 hours. That attention gets diverted over here. June of 2023, the FBI releases documents alleging a $10 million bribe from Burisma to the Biden family. And within 24 hours, another activist prosecutor, Jack Smith, indicts Donald Trump in Florida Then in July of 2023, Hunter Biden, he rejects his plea deal after the DOJ blanket immunity offer was revealed. Then, of course, literally the exact same day, Jack Smith adds more charges for Trump on his indictment in Florida. And now the House hears testimony that Joe Biden lied about his business dealings and calls with Hunter. And Jack Smith, again, indicts Donald Trump for a third time in Washington, D.C. It's pretty wild to me that the DOJ seems to be very one-sided and weaponized and politicized now for the benefit of one particular party. And Mr. Trump seems to be continuing to get demonized by the left. And yet it almost seems like now more and more people are waking up a little bit and connecting some of these dots. saw a recent report today that 64% of the people polled in this study said that even if he does get convicted, they're still going to vote for him. And more and more people seem to be going, I don't even like him that much. But because of what they're doing, I feel anti-government and pro-Trump, knowing that he is obviously America first, make America great again, however, whatever narrative you want to spin there. But it seems like this is got no end in sight and they're going to continue to go after this guy in any way they can. He keeps getting off, though. He got the, I think he'll be okay. He said it himself. One more indictment, they'll secure my election. I don't think he's too worried. I think at this point he's used to it. But yeah, it is a little ridiculous. The hardest thing is knowing that there's a bunch of Democrats that have constantly, they, they just won't give any credence to anything that the Biden family has done, whether it be extreme or not. Hunter Biden's stuff alone, Joe Biden finally acknowledging his granddaughter, things that have just been would almost come off as murder if somebody that was conservative did it. But again, it's not really an even playing field, really, and it's a little bit ridiculous. But 
I swear there's other things in life besides politics. Thank God. Thank God. If you need something to laugh at outside of politics, Bud Light's parent company, Anheuser-Busch, is reportedly selling multiple of their beverage brands. Full as of today because it's into business. So Tilray brought them. So they're selling Shock Top, Breckenridge Brewery, Blue Point Brewing Company, Ten Barrel Brewing, Red Hook, looks like the Windmer Brothers. Windmer Brothers, yeah. Square Mile Cider Company and Highball Energy to a cannabis company out of Canada, which is wild. But man, it to me, it just shows you the power we as people have to vote with our dollars. When you see a company, and I think a lot of people are starting to feel this way. And I'd be curious what your thoughts are. The listener, are you voting with your dollars by who you are purchasing from now? Because I know a lot of brands that have been around for a long time. Bud Light is a perfect example of them going with a, a campaign that was totally against kind of the values of their customer base. Yep. And they almost have crippled themselves in a way that is probably going to make it so their company is never the same again. I don't know. You're not drinking Bud Light ever again if I have something to do about it. I won't. I won't uh, avoid Budweiser products because of the, yeah, that choice. 100%. I've stopped buying Nike and I've been a Nike fan my whole entire life. But a lot of the stuff yeah. that Nike's been doing, there's other... And I think more and more people now are voting and, and purchasing and, and aligning with brands and companies based on their values. Uh... Public Square made that really big. Exactly. More so than their their services and their their products, no matter how good of the quality they are. Is this something, I'm just curious, that traders, quants, analysts are actually paying attention to or now thinking about, which really wasn't something that you had to think about in previous years and decades of analysis when you're looking at a company? I think that it's something that they're trying to figure out how to quantify into a data metric because I think the first thing that came around was like the retail investing, like the dip buyer, the ape. And how do you quantify that? And I believe, I know BlackRock for sure invests tons of money in reading into message boards and forums, almost to the tune of of, of a hefty percentage of what they're investing in traditional research. So yeah, I do think that consumer, consumer trends drive the market in a direction or or lean it one way or the other. And I don't think that any company that's successful is not tracking that sort of data. Because if you don't know where people are spending the money, how are you going to spend yours to attract that customer? Because both parties spend money. You try to spend less and cover the spread on on your customer cost of acquisition. It's looking better and better because I was saying today, profits on these companies are starting to be good for, for... Companies like Twilio and things like that that have a lot of pass-through, they rely on other entities being profitable for their their service to be profitable. That's a good thing, but it all is going to follow what the consumer does. Yeah. Talking about driving industries and controlling industries or paying attention to what drives and controls industries, saw a pretty staggering statistic in a business write-up actually out of CNN, which said BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, out of the $15 trillion fund industry, they are the largest owner in 88% of the S&P 500 companies. And the big three are responsible for 73 to 80% of the global ETF market and sponsor 45 of the 50 largest funds in the world. 
is that accurate? And should people be concerned about that or how can they use that information to their advantage as an investor? A lot of that, I think that's accurate data, but a lot of that's going to be representative of custodied funds for clients and employees and and people they're managing assets on behalf of. So that's not like they own that much of the market. There are clients that they hold custody of shares for own that much of the market. If I was a person, I say this all the time, if you know that the top 1% of earners own 80% of the stock market, wouldn't you be curious of of why they think that they should have that, that much of their money in that one area? And why they own businesses versus like the buildings at the business, their business is owning the building. They do almost like, are you going to be the McDonald's and make money on the burger? Or are you going to make money on rent? And they make money on rent. They go the, the business route. Yeah, I'm, I think, again, I think you were touching on something earlier. I think that the consumers are going to start pushing things towards certain directions. And then they're going to get influenced a lot by AI So we're going to have people push things in different directions that they don't necessarily know where to go. And then AI can help lead them there. Almost like I saw home architecture as being a big one that's being talked about. I don't know what I want to do with my front yard. Let AI just start spitting out designs for you and see what you like. Yeah. Uh, So that that's a whole another thing too to keep in mind. But there's ultimately spending is the bottom line. Spending drives profit. Profit drives through to stock earnings, earnings move the company's stock prices up. That's like the, the trickle value of that. Lots of moving parts in the market right now. Just tons and tons of stuff because we're at the beginning of a new bull run. It's just a choppier one than there has been in the past. Can we be in a recession and there be a bull market? Is that we're possible? In, yeah, we're not in a recession. <laughs> but is it possible no. to be in a recession and be in a bull market? No. no. Almost, it's, they're, they're opposites. So you can't, you can be coming out of a recession into, but you can't say, hey, we're in a recession, but we're on a bull run. Um, And the reason I asked that is because I saw, I forget who it was out of BlackRock, said that basically the US economy is in for a roller coaster inflation ride, and it could be headed for what they would consider an ultra rare full employment recession. Have you heard of that before? And has that been a topic of discussion in any of these circles? I know we have not talked about something like that, but that's essentially just saying where people are working and working, but they just can't create enough income or revenue to cover the cost of their day. Right. I don't really see that happening. You know, they've though, whoever BlackRock, which I respect them and I love their data and they have good funds, could be a lone wolf. I just don't. I just don't see a recession. There's definitely not a recession going on right now. GDP forecasts keep getting revised up. Earnings forecasts are coming in much better than they expected. It just isn't. You can't have a labor market like we have. Consumer as strong as they are, and if you want a job, you can go get a job anyway right now. Mm-hmm. A decent paying job. That environment does not present recessionary. It's not. Does not present a recessionary environment. There could be a little bit of a credit pinch towards the end of the year, but I think people are going to figure it out. People have been, here we are in August and everybody's been poo-pooing on a recession for the whole year and we're almost two-thirds of the way through the year. 
So I, I highly doubt there's going to be a recession this year. I don't think there's going to be a recession next year. I think there'll be a recession in the future. But I think I told you last time, it's easy to forecast through a telescope. Sure. Say sometime down the road in the future, there's going to be a recession and you're going to be right multiple times. Just when, on what exact day and why, nobody knows that. So that's why it's best to time in the market makes you a wealthy person. So recently, the U.S. credit system was downgraded from AAA plus to double, or I'm sorry, AAA to AA plus. And that was the, the big news of last week. Yeah. And... What does that mean? Is there anything of concern there? And before you answer that question, I just thought it was funny. A couple of weeks beforehand, a U.S. politician opened a short on the American economy via PSQ. And that politician also happens to sit on the House Finance Committee. Does he know something that we don't? Or what are your thoughts there? I think, I don't think it was, I really don't think, what's the difference between double A plus and triple A? It's almost like in, in, in wine, when they rate a wine 99 plus points, it's a hundred point scale. Where else do you go? What's above double A plus? There's only one level, triple A. Not a big deal. I just think that's a little bent, boink on the wrist to say, hey, make sure you're keeping your debt in line and this and that and this and that. But I don't think that's a big deal at all. Uh, big nothing burger to me. Same with this whole Russian BRICS BS. That's nothing. Them coming out with a new currency or something or to settle in a couple weeks. That's nothing. There's a lot of lot. There's so much noise in the investor world that we have to learn to filter out and just keep focused on the easy yep. and the and it's really forward. But there's always so much noise on both sides in the real estate market and the stock market. And everywhere in between. You have to learn to put the blinders on and say, no, that's not really, that doesn't lend to my end game. That's not going to suit my bottom line. So I'm going to go ahead and ignore that and stick with my game plan. But that's why a lot of investors aren't successful. They get, they see headline news. They see that somebody saying, hell, Robert Kiyosaki said that this is going to happen. Or so-and-so said on CNBC that this is going to happen. Or I heard somebody and my friends say that they're buying gold. That doesn't mean it's right for you. That can be right for that person, totally. That doesn't mean it's necessarily right for you. So crowd mentality gets a little scary sometimes. And I'll just preface this. This guy, it's Senator Thomas Carper. He bought $30,000 in PSQ, an ultra short on triple Q index. He's been in office for 40 years and shorted the US market many times. In that time, he has become a multimillionaire multiple times over. And he is one of the, I guess, most quote-unquote unusual Congress traders. Obviously, he's got some information, but at the end of the day, the U.S. economy hasn't completely crippled every time he shorts it. So it's not, I don't think, a too big of a foreshadowing impact on the U.S. economy going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's, I think it's fine for them to short via ETFs because they're buying a fund that's shorting. It's constantly doing it. They're just getting their hand in on it. But he likely heard something that we didn't hear. And the NASDAQ did pull back quite a bit last week. And I'm almost certain that on his next filing, you'll see he cashed that out at a, a highly appropriate time. Yeah, I'm glad they're trading individ- They're not trading individual stocks. And that's a bipartisan agreement. So there's no more Nancy Pelosi's going on. But yeah, I think that's totally fine. You want to short the market. As long as you do it via an ETF. Now, the Fed did come out with some information regarding kind of total household debt. 
that this week reaching 17 trillion in Q2, credit card debt exceeds 1 trillion. You talked or alluded to there potentially being a little bit of a, you know, issue potentially towards the end of the year, just to give yeah. some, and I want to get your thoughts on that of kind of what you're alluding to now in this statement from the New York Fed talks about credit card balances increased by 45 billion from 986 billion in Q1 to a series high of 1.03 trillion in Q2. Mortgage balances were largely unchanged from the previous quarter and stood at 12 trillion at the end of June, which is just crazy to me to think that there's 12 trillion dollars worth of mortgage balances out there that people are are tied to. Yeah. Auto loan balances rose by 20 billion delinquency rates were roughly flat in the second quarter of 2023 and remained low. So with all that kind of in mind and some of that data coming out from the Fed, what are you seeing or what were you alluding to towards the end of the year? And is that something that is going to create some ripple effects in the market? Or is it just par for the course based on what you're seeing? Lots of stuff to unpack there. I think probably the main thing that the main thing that people are, are looking at right now with all the aspects that are going on is they're focused on not the recession issues, not anything that's going on in the housing market, not anything that's going on, anything that we've necessarily talked about. They're just focused on the next rate hike because they want a direction. They want to get like solid direction. And although the, la- the pause and then the hike, I made people go, okay, we're here. Which way do we go? And once there's a solid direction given, ships can fall and people can actually finally lay their bets out and we can get things rolling back on on the right path. The, I think the biggest thing that is could throw us off as I was looking at the futures, like I told you, and not on this meeting, but on the next meeting, there's like a 22% chance of a hike sitting there right now. So is that remember you just talked about a, a potential pop-up in inflation? Mm-hmm. I think that there's people putting some money towards that. Literal money, because when you buy futures on that, it's actual money going there. So that's why I actually look, look at the futures rates, because it's actual money, not just, hey, I think this is people putting their money where their mouth is. Yep. That's something to keep an, an eye out for. That could mean that this Thursday and Friday, somebody knows that there's hotter data than, it's, than we're expecting. We're just going to know a lot more once we can get a solid, we're not raising anymore for the rest of the year. We're going to hold here until this metric is hit. And then people can kind of start making bets and pushing forward from there. That's where I really think. And where I'm looking forward to. Yeah, because we, as we were going through rates, obviously rates and what the Fed has done with rates absolutely has had an impact, right? The recent surge in rates over the course of the last couple months that started in June has definitely had an impact on the real estate market. And that still really is un... We don't have the real clarity around how much it has impacted it, but it's going to impact closed sales in August through probably October timeframe. Leading action, lagging result. We'll know more about how July sales look here very soon. But that being said... Black Knight Mortgage Monitor home prices increased month to a new record high in June. Now, again, we'll see what that looks like in July, but Perfect. they haven't calculated the kind of payment to income ratio based on 
the new rates north of 7%, but it's a pretty safe bet that it's pushed us past last October, November's worst affordable market kind of title and, and, and marker, which makes things pretty challenging for home buyers right now. So I'm curious to see what the Fed is going to do as this data comes out, because as you and I were talking before the show, what it seems like is the likely narrative and thing to do is going to be to pause for the remainder of the year. But that being said, there's still that potential percentage that there's going to be a hike. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's no probability, at least from the data that's coming out. And I know you might feel a little bit differently that there's going to be any cuts this year. What are your thoughts there? I still think there's a potential for cuts at the end of the year. Yeah. Because they're right now they're pricing in six cuts next year. That's a cut in almost every single meeting except one. I'm not sure. And that's so... I guess they went up that fast. So they could go down that fast. But normally they'll let things down a little cooler than that. And they'll cut, pause, cut, pause, cut, pause, cut, pause. That would be a lot smoother than... Yeah, I'm, I'm curious where those six projected cuts for next year came from and the narrative behind that. Because like you said, that, that just seems to me like a really quick and aggressive stance that would almost be necessary only if we are completely stalled out and not moving in the right direction. Because if that's... You take at a bare minimum six cuts at 25 bips... That's a percent and a half. Right, 375 to 4% at that point, yeah. So then what you got interest rates, five, maybe sub 5%. Sub five to fours, I would say. Knowing what that would do to the real estate market based on where values and affordability is at right now, I don't know if that accomplishes what they're looking to do on that front in terms of housing. And housing market back on fire with no inventory. And if you think about it, the housing market isn't on fire, but in terms of values and stability of the market, the velocity is significantly lower and slower. But it's not like people are seeing values drop out of the bottoms of their homes. So I'm I'm curious to see, I guess, the reasoning and the logic behind these projected cuts next year. Because my opinion is that we're not going to see any cuts this year. I think we'll see cuts next year, but I didn't think we would be seeing six cuts. And if anything, I think what we had talked about was they're going to cut and then they're going to pause a little bit and see how some of that dust settles and gets you know absorbed into you know the economy and, and markets as a whole. So my thought is they're going to keep rates somewhere in this range a lot longer than maybe people would like them to be, but it'll give them more time to see how a lot of these things are unraveling into the different sectors of the economy. But six projected cuts to me seemed very aggressive and very fast in just one calendar year. Especially for seven meetings, like I said, that's almost 100% cut rate. Yeah, so that's pretty wild. But now with that being said, we are starting to see, I know based on the last jobs report, you know, the pace at which jobs are being added to the economy is slowing a little bit. We're still at very low unemployment. We've got the Dodge Momentum Index came in, which is a big monthly measure of non-residential building projects and planning, which kind of shows 
to lead construction spending for non-residential buildings by a full year in advance. Those seem to drop and slow down a little bit. So a lot of the data that's starting to trickle in is, I would think, in alignment with what they want to see. But is there anything that we're not thinking about or taking into account or that could be a curveball here that could throw the markets for a loop? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. No, it's like I said, it's really just if the only kind of curveball right now is like bad economic inflation data. If we get really bad economic data and they have to raise interest rates again or they say they're going to, that would be the big monkey wrench that I think they would throw into the system. Yep. Now, shifting gears a little bit, the Fed Reserve announced new oversight for crypto activities this week, which was a pretty big deal. The Fed says that state member banks should receive written non objection from the Fed before issuing, holding, or transacting in dollar tokens. Any insights or thoughts around that and kind of that being a step? California and New Jersey also issued notices to all the exchanges as of January 6th. So I just went into effect, but it was supposed to be January 6th. They weren't allowed to, or June 6th, they weren't supposed to be allowing staking anymore. So earning interest on your crypto in certain states. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're getting they're they're. I told everybody last year they're getting close to regulation, and here we are. And they're going to just keep making harder and harder and harder until they get exactly what they want, which is going to be a CDBC and uh, CBDC with central bank digital currency CBDC. Thank you. And I'm not going to be using anything like that, but that's what they want. They don't want any competition from things like Bitcoin or stuff like that. They're going to regulate to non-existence. I think that's where we're at. Interesting. What are we paying attention to in this next week in terms of reports and data? Thursday, we have CPI. Friday, we have PPI data. We have an ADP report as well on Friday, but really PPI and CPI data. If we can get good core prints on those, I think we should have a really good end of the week. And earnings continue to be moderately better than expected. 
across the board. So if that can continue as well, we should recover a little bit from this pullback we've had over the last couple of days and continue our run. I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up on this interesting statistic and why wealth building is so important to me personally. And it's taken on a different meaning once I got kids and became a dad. But I saw an interesting statistic the other day that back in 1982, a whopping 43% of fathers admitted that they had never changed a diaper in their life. And in recent years, that number went down to about 3%. Millennial dads are spending three times as much time with their kids than their fathers spent with them. And for me, why I think wealth building is so important, it is to get that time freedom back. It's to have the ability to use your dollars in a way to truly design your lifestyle in whatever capacity fit and most aligned with what it is that you want to achieve. And that's why I'm so passionate about us having these kind of conversations and why I love talking about obviously the strategy and who doesn't love gamification of something, right? Like the way we're all wired is we want to level up. We want to get a bigger badge, a better car, a bigger house, beat the boss on a particular level on a video game. We always, we're wired and designed to keep elevating and getting better and achieving more, at least people that are listening to this podcast. That being said, and loving the strategy of how to get better with money, the way I have attached and anchored it now to my own journey is more dollars and zeros are great. But after a while, it, it, there's some level of diminishing return on how much more money will make a difference in your life. Yep. But when you anchor it to something that's really important and impactful to you, to me right now, it's about time with my kids and curating a lifestyle that creates epic memories and experiences for them. And I know at some point in time, when that season of my life shifts and the girls are off doing their own thing, it's going to be about probably more so focused on impacting other people, individuals, causes, things that I am passionate about. Thinking about how wealth building and the game of money and getting better at it can selfishly, one, meet and fulfill your own needs at some point in time. Once you cross that threshold, anchoring it to something that is way beyond that makes it so much more fun, so much more impactful, and really enhances the level of engagement and intention at which you do make decisions around your wealth building and your money and who you actually align with to do that, right? Why you and I link up and have so many synergies is because we share many values outside of just making money that are important to us, which is experiences and friends and family and impact. Just thinking about that, right? For you guys that are listening in, why is wealth building important to you? Because you will get to a financial stage at some point in your life, if you do this long enough, where the money is not going to be what excites you and drives you. It's going to be what the money can do for you. And the quicker you can get clarity around what that looks like earlier on in your journey, it can create a different purpose and intention and oftentimes completely expedite getting you to those milestones way faster because you had those things driving you and they were the anchor or the root at which you were making decisions based on versus it just being about money. So something to think about, something to keep having as a part of your conversations. And I think with that said, I almost got distracted a few times seeing how cool the dogs were in the back over your shoulder uh, getting after They learned to open the door and I cannot close it. I don't know how they did that, but yes. So with that being said, guys, don't forget to check out millionermindcast.com. If you guys got questions, comments, thoughts, 
Don't forget to shoot us a text at 844-447-1555. If you want your free financial x-ray, text x-ray to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. And for all my accredited investors, if you want to get on my deals list, don't forget to text the word deals to that same phone number. With that being said, we appreciate you guys for tuning in each and every week. Again, all we ask, 60 seconds, leave a review at millionermindcast.com or in iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you enjoy consuming this content on. And with that being said, we will see you guys in next week's episode. Until then, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really, in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.